The Bible is really clear that without the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are condemned to hell. But praise God, He saved you and I. Today we're going to be looking on to a certain passage. But before that, I would like to ask, have you ever had to make a, a choice of which, of which one to buy or which direction you will go? How many of uh, your choices were the correct ones to make? And sometimes a choice can make all the difference in life. The poet Robert Frost once used a very powerful uh, quote about making the right choice in life. And he said, Two roads diverge in a, in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. It's almost like two chess players. Both are good but one is losing the game, and it looks like as if other will win when he has to make a critical choice. He agonizes over whether to sacrifice his queen or not, and uh, he finally decides to do it. And that is the choice that helped him win the game. Uh, tonight, we are going to look into probably the most important in all of Earth's history, the story and the decision that were made during that time. But before we continue, let's begin in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You gave it to us uh, free, and we thank you for, for that, and even for this country that we are able to to uh, preach your word, and even we can gather here in this place. And we ask, dear Father, that you give us wisdom, and we understand that you are the source of understanding and wisdom. And we ask, dear Father, that you would speak into our hearts. I pray that you will come out from this place, change to a better person, and we will live a life for you. And Father, we commit everything into your hand. In Christ's name, amen. When I was preach, uh, preparing this sermon, and at the, time that, at the same time trying to update myself from the events in Canada, um, a thought came to, to my mind about the power of, a, of the crowd. As you know, there are lots of uh, protests going on in, in our country recently. Uh, but I will not go into the political side of, uh, uh, of it or explain my thoughts about it. But I'm just amazed uh, by the mentality of the crowd. You know, the mentality of the crowd can be powerful. It can bring together different thoughts and voices into a single powerful voice. And that's what we can see in, in different protests, riots, and other demonstrations that we can found all over the world, where the crowd forms one voice. And once a sociologist I, I read about said, isolated, he may be a cultivated individual, 
in a crowd, he is a barbarian. An individual in a crowd is a grain of sand amid the other grains of sand, which the wind stirs up at will. Whoever be the individuals that compose it, however like or unlike be their mode of life, occupations, character, or intelligence, the fact that they have been transformed into a crowd puts them in a position of a sort of collective mind which makes them feel, think, and act in a manner quite different from that which is which each individual of them would feel, think, act were he in a state of isolation. There are certain ideas and feelings which do not transform themselves into acts except in the case of individuals forming a crowd. And you can see that all over the place. You can see that in every um, protest, riots, and uh, uh, events that are happening all over the world. Now, the mentality of the crowd is always full of emotions. We see that as well. And this can be good or bad. And in the story of the Passover week, it would be both. And that's where we're going to um, see, and as we go through the story, which we will uh, go um, uh, any minute now, we will see that the people, including the religious leaders, were given a choice. So let's go and turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We'll be reading verses 15 down to verse 26. Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 to 26. And the Word of God says, Now at, the, at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a, pris, a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they, they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife set, sent unto him, saying, have, have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in, the dream, in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the, the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I, I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. 
Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now you can see in this story that the people, including the religious leaders, were given a choice. So I want, to, I want you to see first, if you're taking down notes, first the conditions requiring a decision. The conditions requiring a decision. Now the story in our passage tonight is part of Jesus' last days before he was crucified. This was the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. And the place, if you were there, are filled with people from different parts of the world. Ten thousands of the Jews came to Jerusalem to celebrate this major feast. Just, just imagine, you know, Jerusalem was filled with people. And for sure, Roman forces were all over the place to keep peace and to put down any rebellion that might happen from such a great crowd. Now, at the beginning of the week, and if you read in Matthew chapter 21, we see that the crowd of the Jews welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem as their king. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, riding on a colt, the Bible says that a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You can read that in Matthew chapter 21, verse 8 to 9. But here, the multitude expected to be Jesus Christ to be the ruler of their physical kingdom and overthrow the Roman forces. It would, be soon, it would soon become apparent, though, that Jesus would not be what they were looking for. It's as if Jesus is walking down and there's a crossroad. And something that they would see to Jesus, they're expecting him to go to overthrow the Roman forces. But instead, we know in the Gospels that he went to the temple. And so we see here, there's a decision need to be made. They expect Jesus to be their, the Messiah of their, or the ruler of their physical kingdom to overthrow the Roman forces, but they were disappointed. On the outer side of the story, the crowd grew on that week, and it was the perfect opportunity for the religious leaders, naming Pharisees, Sadducees, and the elders of, in Jerusalem to ma manipulate the crowd. And possibly they planted their agents, their spies, in the crowd to manipulate them to do what they wanted. So if you read Matthew 26, the conspiracy against the Lord Jesus Christ happened. On the night, Judas betrayed Jesus. And so Jesus was arrested and brought before the council. And they concocted 
different lies against him. In verse 67 of that chapter, it says, Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Just a side note there. You know, Jesus allowed these shame, ridicule, mockery for you and for me. If someone spit, uh, spit us or beat us or slap us in our face, for sure we will retaliate, correct? But Jesus didn't. He absorbed and he allowed this. The King of kings and the Lord of lords who died for us, he allowed this shame and mockery and ridicule just for you and me. Now, we're here in Matthew 27. And when the morning came, we know that the, uh, verse 1, religious leaders delivered Jesus to Pontius Pilate with a, plan to, with a plan to put him to death. And so that's the, uh, that's the situation there. That's the context uh, wherein we are at right now. And so the second point is that the consideration to make a decision. The consideration to make the decision. Now, people usually consider the details and options before deciding, right? You made a lot of big decisions in life. And you always consider what are the options, what are the details of this situation before you act, before you decide in, the, in a situation. So in our story, Pilate was in a difficult position as he knew that Jesus was innocent and, and needed to convince the crowd of this. He tried a very desperate plan to appease the crowd and if you look with me in Matthew chapter 27, verse 15, it says there that now at the feast that the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. Now on the feast of the Passover, the Romans adopted the custom of uh, releasing a condemned prisoner. Now Pilate had three during that time. Pilate had three who were condemned to die. Now, during the time, Roman soldiers would um, condemn a man to death through crucifixion. In Jewish culture, they would stone them to death. But of course, we are, we are talking about Roman government here. And so, there are three condemned people ready to be executed for crucifixion. Now, there were two thieves during that time, correct? But they were unnamed. But one was a murderer named Barabbas. And we can see his name here in this text. Now, who is Barabbas? Now, if you read the Gospels, there's a little, really, um, description about him. But if you just pull them together and also do some research about who he was, uh, there's also a little bit of similarities that they had also with, when it comes to Jesus Christ. Other authors would say that the name of Barabbas was really Jesus Barabbas. And so with that name, they, are, they were sim similar. 
And so when you read the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, Luke, and John, we see here the first description of Barabbas. He, he was a notable prisoner. In Matthew 27, verse 16, you can, we can read that, that. Now, there's two possibilities why he was a notable prisoner. One, by birth probably, and breeding. Uh, he was uh, of some not of, uh, no, uh, notable and uh, quality. So probably he is born in a very uh, rich person, uh, uh, family, something like that. Or he had to sig- signalize himself by something remarkable in his crimes. And for, the, and for my opinion, I think he, the second suits him well. Because in Mark chapter 15, verse 7, uh, we have a, another description that we can see here in the book of Mark. He, was, he made insurrection or rebellion against the Roman forces. Uh, you, can, you have uh, some glimpse of he was a member of the ze- uh, zealots during that time or a freedom fighter, something like that. And also in Mark chap- chapter 15, verse 7, the same verse, the Word of God says he was a murderer. And in John chapter 18, verse 40, the Word of God says he was a rubber. So you see, when, when you really look into the, that situation here, Barabbas is standing in the front of the crowd and saying, this is Barabbas. And people are looking at Barabbas saying, here is this man condemned to die. He is a notable person. He did something wrong. He is literally guilty of what he did. And how about this man here, standing in this other side? And we will see the description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because we have the complete Bible accessible for us today, um, we know who Jesus Christ is, correct? But, you know, for the sake of comparison, we'll describe Jesus Christ during their time and how they would perceive Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, he was perceived as the son of Joseph and Mary. Now, everybody knows that. Everybody knows during their time that he was the son of Joseph and Mary. He was a carpenter. He did miracles. He fed them, right? He healed them, restored the, the maimed. They did, he did everything that he could to tell the people, to tell his people, the Jews, that he is the promised Messiah. The one that they have been long awaited. He was also the teacher. And for others, of course, they they noticed that he is not an ordinary person. He must be the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so now here, we can see Jesus standing the crowd was facing at him, looking at him, and we know that he is innocent. He did nothing wrong. He actually fed them. He actually healed them. And everything that they want, Jesus Christ did something for, for them. He is not guilty of anything wrong. And so Pilate presented Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Barabbas standing in front of the crowd, and the people asked, Who do you want? 
Who do you want? Jesus or Barabbas? You know, the people, including the religious leaders, were given a choice. Now we can see here a decision to make. A decision to make. Now looking at the description, the answer should be very clear, correct? Here as a person really condemned to death, a crime that he made guilty for crucifixion, but here the Lord Jesus Christ is standing and seeing them who was innocent. And so you can really see that it's very clear. Now in our eyes, we can say that, yeah, we should free Jesus Christ. But with all the miracles, the kindness and goodness that Jesus Christ did for these people, and also you can see in Matthew chapter 21 that they were the ones who welcomed Jesus Christ, correct? Even they throw themselves clothes and branches and straw them on the way to welcome this king. But here they are, standing in, in the front of the two notable persons, Barabbas and Jesus Christ. People still have the audacity to cry, give us Barabbas. And they cried to Jesus Christ, crucify him. You see, what a careless, uh, careless consideration. What a, what a cruel decision that they made for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but, but you know, when you think of that, and so Barabbas is a great picture of what happened to those who are in Christ. The God the Father allowed that Barabbas to be free. Because Jesus Christ can still do something for him to escape on that final day. But God the Father allowed that Barabbas to be free and let his only son be the Barabbas so that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ will set free. He did that for you and for me. And we should have, you know, thinking of this story, we should... We should have been there. We should have been crucified, correct? Because we are guilty at the same time and the same also situation with Barabbas. We are guilty to be crucified. We are the ones who sinned. And the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. God, the Father, has the full right to condemn us all in hell. You know, but John 3.16 is a great passage. The Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so tonight, you also, you and me, have a choice. The defining mark of faith today is found in what people believe about Jesus. He is either God or not. Christianity is the only religion that, you know, teaches that Jesus is the Son of God. 
and that faith in Jesus is the only acceptable answer to the sin issue in our lives. And we see that in Jesus, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh, cometh unto the Father but by me. So we just learned that people didn't want Jesus because he didn't fit what they wanted. They wanted a Messiah who could save them from the Roman government. And that's exactly what Barabbas did. He was a freedom fighter. And so they chose Barabbas. Now if you think of it, we're in the same crowd facing Jesus and Barabbas. Now we would look now in the perspective of the crowd. That we are looking in Jesus Christ and so as Barabbas. And we need to choose. We need to choose. If you're here today, you know, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are one of this crowd looking to Barabbas, looking to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says in Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 36, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The Bible is really clear that without the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are condemned to hell. But praise God, He saved you and I. But if anyone here or, ever, or someone that is watching online that, it, that you, you don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ, you have also a choice to make. You need to choose Jesus Christ. Now my question, friend, we too have the decision to make. What are the conditions requiring a decision? If you look in today, the conditions in our time, we have a lost and dying world. Lots of people die heading straight to hell. Right? And it's our, I believe it's our job. It's our job to to send missionaries. It's our job as a church to go out, not to just, you know, be comfortable here in our, in our good place. Praise God for this place, though. But not to be comfortable here, but to go out to reach our city, to reach our country. And, of course, we are reaching the, the lost also to hold the world. But there's a lot of people that is dying today. It goes to hell in eternity that they don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ. What are the considerations to make? The decision? We have a great commission, correct? We have a great commission. And God commanded us to teach the world, to reach the world with a gospel including our city 
our Jerusalem. And God has blessed us with someone, with, uh, someone who shared the God. You know, if, if you really think of it, all of us here, if we are saved, someone shared to you or showed you how to get saved. Correct? I remember someone who preached in a camp. I still remember it when I was nine years old. It's a youth camp, even though I'm not a youth. I still went and uh, um, came to, uh, to that camp, youth camp. And I was there, even though I grew up as a, in a Christian home, I am pretty sure that I'm not saved. But um, someone, someone preached the, the gospel. And uh, that time I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now each of us here, you remember that person also who shared to you the gospel. And I think it's, it's just fitting. God has commanded us to reach the world with great commission but also, it is something that a blessing that we had that we can't keep. The Bible would tell us that, you know, we should not keep what we had, the treasure that we had, but to give it to people, to share it to others. And so I think it's only proper, correct, as you and I go out and share the same blessing to others. It's only proper. You know, we don't have a door knocking. Um, it's uh, still, I think, un unacceptable in the eyes of government. But you can still do one-on-one -on -one, um, soul winning with your friends who are, who are not yet saved. Going out and flying every Saturday is part of a great commission that requires a decision as well. I know it's easy to, you know, sleep. I understand we work Monday to Friday, and we are tired in that week. And if Saturday is only the time that we're in, we can, you know, sometimes sleep over. But I think a one hour of that time that you give for flying. It's for me, it's worth for eternity. It's worth a reward. It will reap an eternal blessing in heaven. And it needs a decision to make as well. Just going out in one hour, I believe that it's, it's still, you know, it's still, you can squeeze that into your busy life. What else that we need to consider to make a decision? Now, there's a reward. And when we live for God, when we, when we give our time, talents, and treasure for God, there is a reward that, that God promised in His Word. Things we do for the Lord will reap rewards in heaven. Eternal reward, not a temporal. And that's, I think, a good consideration that we, may, we can make a decision in life. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.